Um, I'm so excited to jump back into Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we started this a few weeks ago. Micah started it, and then we had um, Jamie Graham come share with you guys out of Philippians 2. And then um, a couple weeks ago, we shared about Thailand and stuff like that, and we went to a concert last week. So I'm super stoked to get back into Philippians 2. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up to Philippians chapter 2. Um, and if you don't have your Bible, shame on you. Bring your Bibles to refuge. Um, but here's the deal, Philippians chapter 2, we really wanted to do this book um, for, uh, for a couple of reasons, for many reasons, but two we'll give you tonight. Here's the first one, is we believe it's super beneficial um, as a church and as a student ministry to just walk straight through books of the Bible. So we try to do it a couple times a year, well we will do it here in Refuge, we'll just start walking through chapters, we take chapters instead of whole books, um, chapters of the Bible, and so that's reason number one, we think it's super important for you guys to just be in God's word and us for, to be in God's word on Sunday nights. Uh, second reason is that Philippians chapter 2 um, it's kind of a, a mountaintop of scripture in a sense because there's so many things just kind of hanging there in Philippians 2 that you can grab a hold of and, and like plug into your life. That this isn't something we do just on Sundays and holy huddle it and we get out there and we just kind of live our lives. But Philippians 2 really sort of challenges us on a bunch of different, in a bunch of different ways on how God says, man, this is how I want you to live. This is my desire for your life. So that is a couple of reasons why we wanted to jump in Philippians 2. Um, and tonight we are talking about something Ben mentioned earlier. We're talking about something that's not necessarily a lot of fun to jump into and to talk about because um, it, it kind of gets you. It kind of challenges you in a lot of ways. Um, tonight we are going to tackle what Philippians chapter 2 says about humility. Um, I don't know what you think of when you hear that word. I don't know if you got it spot on and you know exactly what that means or you have no idea what the word means. You think it might have something to do with humiliation. Uh, you're kind of close. But tonight we're looking at humility. Um, and, and there's a couple verses in, in Philippians chapter 2 that really hit that um, head on. So, so be ready tonight. Um, but first I want to tell you a story. Um, I love telling stories in refuge and uh, making myself look like a fool. Um, and this is another one. Uh, how many people like game shows? Anybody game show fans? Um, I love game shows. I've never been on a game show. We actually have a couple people in our church that have been on game shows. Uh, Heidi Billington, uh, she and her husband Chase just moved to Thailand uh, to serve there for a year. But Heidi was on one of my favorite shows. And it was crazy to know somebody and you're watching them on TV. But she was on Minute to Win It. Any Minute to Win It fans in the house? Man, that show, that's incredible. And I love the host, that Food Network dude. Minute to win it, it's the premise is you have a minute to win it, and you have a minute to do these crazy things. Last New Year's Eve, my brother and I, we, we tried to do as many as possible. We went to Walmart and just got a bunch of stuff, and it's crazy, because I really like want to live out this game show, you know, reality or whatever. Um, anybody like The Price is Right? That's kind of an old person thing, I guess, huh? Um, well, whatever. The Price is Right is pretty sweet. Uh, there's used to be a guy named Bob Barker that did it, but now it's Drew Carey. Yeah, Bob Barker. Um, but we have a guy in our church. This dude, if you ever meet him, his name is Philip. He's awesome. This dude is like a game show freak. I mean, he knows, he like posts 1982 Wheel of Fortune clips. And like, I remember this episode, where, and I'm like, what? You're like in your diaper and you're like, ah, I'm Wheel of Fortune, spin that wheel, Vanna. And uh, so, so anyways, he's on um, Price is Right. And he wins a car. Like, he's the guy that wins the car. Um, but he was also then, the dude, like, three years later is on Wheel of Fortune. And I watched him on Wheel of Fortune. And the dude is a freak. Like, there's one letter. And he's like, yes, it's George Washington. And it's like, how did he get that? This dude's a, this dude's a Wheel of Fortune Jedi. Um, here's why I tell you that. I thought I was on a game show one day. Um, I was sitting in junior high school. I don't know how many any junior hires in the house tonight represent. Junior hires, like, are always scared to yell. 
Junior highers, can we just get a roar from you real quick? Go. Junior hires, listen, listen to your elders. High schoolers, give it up. Come on. Junior hires, give it up. Okay. I'm in junior high, and I'm sitting there. I remember this. I'm, 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 I'm doing my homework, and I'm sitting at the desk with a computer. And back then, it was probably like the size of my house or whatever. So I'm sitting in junior high, and I get a phone call. And it's like, Scott Worthington. Is, or is this Scott Worthington? I'm like, Yes. And, uh, and they're like, congratulations, Scott Warrington. My name is so-and-so, and I am a representative for Baskin-Robbins 31 Flavors. And I was like, okay. And uh, I'm like, this is awesome. And, and 31 Flavors, it, they have 31 Flavors. I don't know if they're around anymore, but they are. They used to be. There's one right down the street from my house. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is it. My, my game show, Wildest Dreams, are coming true. And so I'm like, okay. And by this part, you know, I'm, I'm pacing already. I don't even know what I'm doing. But they're like, and you're going to have a chance to win a year's supply of 31 Flavors. And I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. And, uh, and they say, all you have to do is you have to name all 31 Flavors in, in one minute. And I'm just like, I love ice cream, okay. And, uh, and so they say, ready? And I'm like, yeah. But this time I'm like jumping up and down. My mom probably thinks I'm a freak. And I'm just like, don't worry, mom. 31 flavors, lady. Like, we're cool. And uh, she goes, go. And I'm like, okay, chocolate, vanilla, chocolate chip, mint chocolate chip. Right? If you, if you think you can do it, try it. Just, like, time yourself one minute. There's no way. I just froze up. Like, everything inside of me was just like, oh, God. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I- I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm saying this over the phone. And then all of a sudden, you hear, <laughs> and then it hit me. I graciously hung up the phone and went and pouted because I knew I had been prank called by some of my friends at school. So the next day, this is no joke, the next day I walk to school, and uh, I'm walking through the halls, and all, all day I'm hearing, hey, Scott, name those 31 flavors, and I'm just like, God, I hate my life right now. I'm the guy who tried to win 31 flavors, and it was all fake, and my wildest dreams are not coming true. Um, Scott, why do you tell us that story tonight? Here's why I tell you that story tonight. I was offered 31 flavors for a year of, 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 a year of 31 flavors ice cream for free. They said, you know what, we uh, want to give you, it was fake, but that was the offer that was on the table. And tonight we're looking at a portion of scripture where Jesus Christ, right, was, that's, that's, that's God in here tonight. That's, that's who we talk about all the time. Jesus Christ offers you and I eternal life for free. Like, he, he calls you up and says, I want to give you life. You don't even have to name the 31 flavors tonight. You just got to say yes because it's already taken care of. But there's this key, crucial part, and we're gonna, really going to finish. This is kind of a two-week deal. We're really going to finish this portion of Scripture next week. But we're going to tackle the first part about it tonight. And we're talking about humility because that's a really big part of the equation. Because before we can accept the free gift, we have to realize we need the free gift. And so tonight, that's where we're honing in on. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. Jesus is offering us a gift tonight. But the first, before we get to that, and that's next week, he says, humble yourselves. There's a big key, crucial part to this. So uh, if you have your Bible, we're actually going to start in, uh, in Romans chapter 12. Don't flip there because I told you to flip to Philippians. We're just, it's going to be on the screen. But um, before, Romans or uh, Philippians chapter 2 is, is a chapter really about transformation. Right? You guys all know like um, a caterpillar. What does a caterpillar become after it goes in the cocoon? 
a butterfly. Good job. That is a picture of transformation. That's what Philippians chapter 2 is about. It's a chapter that basically lays out what happens to a believer when Jesus transforms their life. So tonight, I don't know if you're in the place and you are a believer. If you would say you are a Jesus follower tonight, we would say that these would be characteristics or at least they're coming up and they're being produced in your life. But if you're not tonight, here's, here's what Jesus offers you. Free gift of salvation, but it comes with the price of humbling ourselves to understand that we need that. Um, so uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul is writing, just like he wrote to the Philippians, he wrote to a church in Rome. And uh, here's what he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, um, and we're going to tie it into what we're talking about tonight. A lot of you have heard this verse. Here's what he says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, don't copy everything that the world's got going on, but let God transform you. Let God change you. Let God take you from a butterfly or from a caterpillar into the cocoon, into a butterfly. Let God transform you so that you can know what his will is for your life and you can know what your life was really meant to be. And here's why I tell you that tonight before we jump into Philippians 2 and look at this thing of humility. It's not you trying to figure out how to be humble. You got to cross that off the priorities list because you're going to fail. The thing that we always talk about at Refuge, if you come to hope, we harp on it, harp on it because it's the biggest truth and misconception in, in Christianity. People think Christianity is about you trying to do stuff. Here's this truth tonight. It's the first blank on your, on your note sheet. Huge truth. You got to get this or the whole thing is meaningless. The whole humility thing, the whole following Jesus really becomes a burden and not a joy. Here's the truth. Jesus never intended you to live the Christian life. He said, dude, what? I thought that's what the whole church thing was about. That I had to be a good Christian and I had to follow all the rules. And I had to make sure I didn't, you know, I tried not to sin. No. Romans chapter 12 speaks a different story. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. We got that part. We don't, we don't, we try, as Christians, we try not to copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but we get the next part wrong where he says, let God transform you. Not let Scott transform you. Not let Bella transform you. Not let Alec transform you. Let God transform you. See, when I first became a Christian, I'm 17 years old and uh, I'm trying to figure out how to stop everything I used to do bad. And maybe you've been there. I, I cussed a lot, a lot. Like I was a skateboarder kid that just thought I had to, you know, there had to be at one cuss word for every two words. Like it didn't, like you're like, dude, you don't even make any sense what you're saying right now. That was me. And so I figured, okay, I got to stop cussing. That's step one, stop cussing. Step two, stop doing some other bad things I'm involved in. Stop going to the parties and stop hanging out with these people and stop getting myself in these situations. Stop that because now I'm a Christian. I have to stop that. Yeah, that's true. I'm not saying continue in your stuff, but I missed the first step. The first step is to humble myself before God. So many Christians, and I think some are in the room, and I'm guilty of it. We want to rush into stopping things before we start humbling ourselves. Before we start at God's feet, and we look at Jesus, and we see who he is, and we sing the songs that we sang, that glory to you forever. Not glory to me forever. God, we're here for you. You are Lord of all. We adore you 
But then we turn around and we want to be inward focused and it's all about me and, 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 and I have to stop doing things and I have to try to do better. But God says, no, sing those songs with your whole life because I'm a lot greater than you think I am and you're not as great as you think you are. That's a huge step that we miss. And so I want to talk about that before we jump into Philippians 2 and start talking about humility. We, got, we can't miss that part. Humility is not you trying to be better. Humility is you coming to Jesus and saying, God, I can't do it. I throw everything at your feet, like Micah was talking about. I throw my heart, my life, my resources, my everything at Jesus' feet. Because that's the only way this whole thing works out. It's the only way I find true joy in this Christian life. So Philippians chapter 2, ready for this? We're now going into the, what we're talking about tonight. Philippians chapter 2, it's going to be on the screen. Here's what it says. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 7. Um, here's what it says. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. I'm going to read that again. I want you to just stare at the screen. I want you to try to soak it in. Don't just follow along with me like you're reading a boring book. Let's try to soak this in tonight because there's a lot in here. We're going we're gonna to take a little bit and we're going to chew on it. There's a lot in here. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking on the form of a servant. Here's what I want to do tonight. We're going to talk about three areas in a minute. But I want to hit on some things because there's like some big theological truths in this thing. But here's what I don't want to do tonight. We're going to hit on them. We're going to talk about them. But what I don't want to do tonight is just talk about these huge, big theological things that we find in here so that we can get our minds really full of stuff and walk out of the door and never do anything about it. Tonight, I want to take this stuff, like I said earlier, and plug it into my life and plug it into your life so that when you go to school tomorrow and you go, you know, in the car ride home, it, there's actually some stuff changing and happening in your life because of what we do here. That's the goal. That's the purpose. And so before we go there, I want to, I want to touch on a couple of things that are really big here. Uh, that first word, uh, my, that, you know, have this mind among yourselves. You might have a translation that says, have this attitude among you. A lot of times, here's how we read that. That every once in a while, I need to try to act like Jesus. I, the Bible calls to tell me to have the same attitude as Jesus. And so I, I showed this illustration about a year ago. Um, but I think, I think it works. Because here's what a lot of us do. A lot of us have our, our Jesus jacket. And I'm guilty of this, and so are you. Where we're Christians... And we'll put on the Jesus jacket, you better believe it, when we come to refuge, because that's like where the Jesus stuff goes down. And, uh, and we have our Jesus jacket on, and we're praising God, and, and maybe when we're at the Bible, you know, we go to Bagels and Bibles on Wednesday, and we're going to put our Jesus jacket on, because we've got our Bible in our hand. But there's a lot of times in our life where we go ahead and take the Jesus jacket off. We're hanging out with our friends, we're at that party, we're at the football game, and we got our, we're Christians, man, I know I'm going to heaven when I die, but I got my Jesus jacket over there, because it doesn't really mix well in this circle. And so the Jesus jacket goes on when I want to be Christ-like, and it comes off when I know that I'm not living Christ-like. But the problem with that is Philippians 2, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, have this attitude that is yours in Christ Jesus. That's, that's a totally different word than just an on-again, off-again type thing. 
It's a word that means, it's a, back in the original language, it's a word that means this, um, this, this mindset, this, this life consistency. It's, it's something that goes all the way down to like the emotions and your will of who you are. It's the fabric of your being. So he's saying, hey, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, have this mindset, have this attitude, have this lifestyle that was yours in Christ Jesus, then it is yours in Christ Jesus. And so that was convicting for me this week, man. Do I have a lifestyle? Does my lifestyle match what I say at Refuge and what I talk about in my small group? Do I have the mind and the, the, the will that God gave me in Christ Jesus? And then it goes on to say this. Who, Jesus, was in the form of God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself of nothing. This is a really big truth tonight that we got to go ahead and grab a hold of. We need to put a banner up here at Refuge all the time that says, Jesus Christ is God, okay? I remember the first time I heard that, I I didn't really process it. And and now I I love that truth because if, if that's not true, the whole Bible doesn't make a lot of sense. Jesus Christ is God. And so here he is in his, he never created, always has existed, reigning over the universe, God. And it says that he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself of nothing. What does that mean? Here's what that means. Jesus is in his sovereignty, in his glory, in heaven, and he sees the desperation of the world. He sees you and I, he sees everybody on the planet that is so desperate for a savior because of sin and because of hurt and because of folly in the world. And so it says that God of the, the God of the universe stepped into human history. We, we talked about it this week. It's the equivalent, it's, it's a lot bigger, but a, a good picture, maybe an illustration. Uh, did anybody have an ant farm growing up? Just want to represent for nerd status? Sweet, okay. It's, I'm, not, I'm not calling you a nerd, but... Okay, uh, all three of you. Okay, I never had an ant farm, but I really wanted one. My mom wouldn't let me because she was all freaked out that it was going to explode and all the ants were going to be out of the house. So, um, but an ant farm is this, this, it's a farm, right, with all these little tunnels where these ants crawl and they, and they kind of do their deal. And they live, these ants, and you like watch them live. That's pretty much the extent of an ant farm. And so a kind of maybe good illustration of this is the ant farm is in trouble. That I created the ant farm, and the ant farm, man, there's a block in the tunnel. There's a big block in the tunnel. And there's a big piece of dirt that is blocking the ants from living the way that I intended them to live. It'd be like me not shaking the ant farm and trying to fix it myself, but to to step into the ant farm and become an ant and crawl around with my creation to save them from themselves. And we got we to get that tonight, that Jesus is not, Jesus is not the, you know, the, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy petting sheep that we all see. Jesus Christ is the God of the universe, and because he loves you and I so much, he came to us. And he was a baby. So I got a baby, right? They stink. I mean, they like straight poop and pee everywhere. And Avery pukes more than anybody should ever puke, okay? Maybe that was Jesus, Right? I, definitely, he definitely did that, but I don't know if he did as much as Avery because she's out of control, okay? But that was Jesus, and Jesus got sick, and Jesus had scrapes on his knees, and Jesus had friends, and Jesus lived a life. Sometimes we put Jesus, and we act like his life was some, you know, magical. No, he lived a life. We, we think he lived about 33 years, 
So I'd still have eight years if I was Jesus. That's a long life with a lot of different things that come in and out and people meeting and meeting people and, and, and getting to know people in his life. So the God of heaven steps into human history to save you and I. That's a big truth tonight. And so as we jump into this, what we, the question we want to ask is how, how, do we, how do we model that? Talking about humility, talking about have this attitude, have this lifestyle that is yours and that, that, that models Jesus's life. Well, how do, we, how, do we, how do we do that? Well, I think we need to look at Jesus' life. And so I want to take three characteristics of Jesus' life tonight. I, give, I believe the Bible gives us an example to follow in Jesus. And so I want to give us three characteristics of Jesus' life as we jump in tonight. Here's the first one. Um, write this down. This is your blank. First one is this. Jesus' life was not exceptional, but it was consistent. Before you run and tell your mom we're preaching crazy things at refuge, hold on. Jesus was God, okay? Everything he did is exceptional in nature because he is God. But here's what I mean by not exceptional. Jesus didn't stand out. For 30 years of his life before he started preaching, Jesus was just a normal dude. We, we, find, we, we know from the Bible that he's from this little town that nobody cares about, Nazareth. And, he, and he's born to a teenage mother, and a carpenter stepfather, or not stepfather, but adopted father, Joseph. He's a carpenter. I grew up in a house with a carpenter. Maybe some of your guys' dads work construction. That's, I know that life. You get dirty. I worked construction for like five years of my life. You get dirty. It, it's, it's not a fun job. And so we know that Jesus just grew up in this non-exceptional, normal life. And here's why I say that tonight. That I think that's a big deal as we look at humility. It's because when I was a teenager, and if I'm honest, sometimes now, I do a lot in my life to stand out. Whether it's the music that I listen to, or it's the, the people that I hang around, or the clothes that I wear, or the car that I drive, or my posts on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, whatever it might be, I do a lot to kind of put myself out there to say, hey, everyone, look at me. Look at, look at me, I got, I got a cool, you know, I got a, a, a Coke Zero shirt from Thailand. It's in Thai, that's sweet, huh? Yeah, look at my cool shirt. And look at my cool car. Right now I'm driving a 71 CJ5. Is that right, Aaron? Awesome. I'm driving Aaron Jones' Jeep right now. It's pretty off the hook. Um, so, uh, yeah, you should check that out. But, uh, but, but what is that for you? We put ourselves out there and we stand out. We, man, when I played baseball, all throughout my life, I was like, I want, I want to be the guy that gets the winning hit so that everyone will look at me and say, Scott's the best baseball player we've ever seen. I want to be the guy who plays that riff in that song or who hits that note when I'm singing in the band in high school and everyone came to see my band. I want to be the guy that says, look at me. The problem with that is, is I don't think Jesus was that way. And he had every reason to. Jesus was a normal, his life wasn't exceptional. So does that mean we got to not tw- post on Facebook and Twitter? Does that mean we got to not drive a cool car or wear clothes? No, look presentable. Present yourself to the world. Look, wear clean clothes, please. But when your focus becomes everybody look at me because I'm awesome, there's an issue. We start looking at this humility thing and that, and it doesn't match. And we start looking at Jesus' life. Philippians 2 says, have this lifestyle that is yours in Christ Jesus. Model Jesus' life. And it doesn't match. Here's the second one. Jesus served. 
Jesus served. He said the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Hours before he goes to the cross, which we're going to dive into next week. Don't miss it. Bring your friends. I mean, it is, we don't talk about the cross enough. Hours before he goes to the cross, he's at the last supper with his disciples, who, by the way, his disciples were nobodies. If you study the disciples' life, these guys are uneducated fishermen, some of them. Some of them are tax collectors. Whoever you hate most in your life, that was the, that was the tax collectors. That, those are the guys. Nobody liked them. They were unpopular. Nobody wanted to be around them. And so Jesus picks these uneducated fishermen who had, who, you know, that was their whole life and nobody really looked at them as anything special. And he picks these tax collectors and he, and he says, these are the 12 guys that are gonna change the world. These are the 12 guys I'm gonna empower to change the world. And so Jesus, hours before his, his crucifixion, he, he gets on his knees and he grabs these disciples' feet. And the, my, okay, my feet are pretty gross. If you ever see my feet, just kind of watch out. Um, they're pretty nasty, okay? They're really dry and funky looking. I'm just going to be honest, okay? I know, like, everyone's like, ew. It's true. But the disciples' feet had me beat. The disciples' feet were nasty. You got to understand, these guys just wore sandals, and they walked on dirt roads, and there was donkeys and camels and whatever back then that would just kind of drop their junk down on the floor, and the disciples would be like talking to them. Oh, sweet. So there's just junk all up in the disciples' feet. And Jesus, the God of the universe, sits down and grabs the disciples' feet and begins washing their feet. And the disciples get mad. No, Jesus, you can't do that to me. And Jesus said, no, I must do this. I must do this for you to be where I want you to be. And they're like, okay, if that's the case, God, wash everything because I, I, I want to be as close to you as possible. And so they understand that Jesus is, is showing them an example here. But that's an example that we don't really like. Jesus served. The question for you and I is who are we serving? Or are we serving ourselves? That's, that's, I feel like I'm guilty of that more than I'm not is that I don't really look who I'm serving. I look at who's serving me. How am I serving myself? The last one tonight is that Jesus had the end in mind. Jesus Christ had the end in mind. He knew why he was on the earth. He knew that when he was 33-ish, he would be beaten to a bloody pulp and hung on a cross for the sin of the world. And so he knew he had, he had a job to do. He knew he had to be proactive. And see, a lot of us know the goal. The goal is to love Jesus with our, our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, and to show others who he is. But we don't, end, we don't live with the end in mind a lot. We were talking about it this week, and, and, and Micah brought it up, and it's true. We wake up in the morning and everything's about us. It's true for me. Listen, I wake up in the morning and that God awful sound, you just want to kill somebody. You just want to throw your phone through the window and then you realize that's probably not a good idea. And so you just grab that thing and hit it off and you're so angry. I don't know about you, I'm just so angry and my alarm goes off. So you stumble into the bathroom, you stumble whatever, and it's like, you know, you got you know, you to brush your teeth. Okay, thank you. Um, you brush your teeth and you're just like sitting there like, so annoying. And then I go out and, it's so annoying, dental hygiene. And uh, 
I go out and I get my coffee and I don't know what that is for you. You get your cereal and maybe whatever, whatever your morning routine is and you don't want anybody to interrupt you and you drive to school and if you go to Starbucks every morning, they usually take three minutes to get your drink. But this time they got four and a half minutes and it was wrong. And so you're like, I can't believe they're doing this to my life right now. Give me my right drink, right? We've all been there. And you're so angry. For me, every morning I get my coffee and I go in my office and you know, the office room we have in our house and I read, Okay. Don't mess with me. That's my morning deal. So if I'm walking there and I hear Candace, and she's so sweet, but I hear Candace say something about a poopy diaper or something, I just want to shoot something. I'm just like, no, I love my children, but no. You know what I'm talking about. Every morning, we kind of are about us. We're about me, 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 because that's the deal. Humility in our sinful nature is not going to be our default. You and I are going to have to be proactive about doing what Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says. We're going to have to be proactive about having this lifestyle that is ours in Christ. And I think it starts with you at Jesus' feet every morning or Jesus' feet on the way to school. There's so many cool iPhone apps now that have devotionals and the Bible. Man, spend some time saying, Jesus, you are way greater than I think you are. And I'm not as great as I think I am. And I want to humble myself before you today because I know that's not my default. My default is the whole world revolves around me. So tonight I want to give you two things um, that, uh, just to apply this for a minute. Two things that I think, you know, if you're going to plug this into your life. Two things that when you walk out of the door tonight, you can really proactively engage in your life. And here's the first one. It's three words, and it might sound cheesy, but it's helped me as I kind of, as I kind of, you know, God kind of gave me this. I thought about this this week. I started doing this, um, and I feel like it's helped me see the big picture of this humility thing playing out in my life. Here's the first one. Dress like Jesus. Here's how simple it is for you. Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you do your morning routine, I want you to put on your shirt or put on your jacket or put on your makeup or put in your hair gel or put on your shoes or wherever. We all have a moment in time every morning, whether it's you know an hour and a half for the girls maybe or it's like two seconds for the guys, especially the junior high guys, right? Whatever that is, you just get dressed real quick. Whenever that time is for you in the morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop for a minute as you're putting on your makeup or you're putting your gel in and I want you to say, Jesus, be God through me today. God, I humble myself before you today. And I just put all this stuff on to kind of make me look presentable and my friends at school. And I just want, I want you to shine through me more than any of this makeup or any of these clothes or any of whatever you got on, whatever you're trying to put out there. Jesus, I want to dress like you today. The way I interact with people, the way I react to people, would that be Jesus today? It's super simple to do that. And once we realize how good God is and how much we need him, I think you'll do that. God, I need you today. And as I put all this stuff on to to, to show that, or as I put all this stuff on to kind of go out into the world, God, I need you. Would you shine through me today? Would Jesus pour out of my life above all the stuff that I just put on? And here's the second one. As you plug this into your life tonight, Ask yourself, how can you serve? How can I serve someone today? 
you all interact with a bunch of people. Even if you're homeschooled, there's a bunch of people in your family, or maybe it's just your brother and sister, or maybe it's your mom and dad. We interact with people every single day. Ask yourself, how can I serve somebody today? Maybe that is the person who's sitting by themselves at lunch. And we, point, we make fun of them all the time. And maybe your friends are in that game where they're just saying, look at that person all by themselves. Or the person who just dropped their books or the person who's being made fun of. And a lot of times I found myself in that circle. And I wish I could go back. And I wish I could say, you know what, that person needs to be served. That person needs somebody just to say what's up to them and to sit with them at lunch. Or maybe it's your brother and sister. A lot of times we want to serve everybody else but them. Your brother and sister, younger or older, serve them tomorrow. Serve them this week. Show them the love of Jesus. Why do we do that? Just to serve for the sake of serving people? No, to show them the love of Jesus. It's Christ's life through you. So tonight I want you to talk about that in your small groups. I want you to talk about those two things. How can we dress like Jesus and how can we serve someone? We have an example in Jesus, guys. His life was not a standout life, but it was consistent. He grew up, he did his job, and he did it well without sin. He showed us how to serve. If God can wash disciples' feet, we can wash some feet in our lives. Maybe not literally, but with the way we live our life, we can wash some feet. And he lived with the end in mind. He was proactive, understanding that he was showing people an example who their, their, their lives weren't naturally going to be humble. So let's pray tonight. As, as we kind of process this, we're going to sing a song. But I really want you to kind of process this. And then just as we, as we just talked about how good God is, we're going to get a chance in a minute to sing a song talking about how good God is. And so, God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for the amazing, big Bible truth that the God of the the universe became a man. God, you never stopped being God. Lord, you never stopped being who you were. But for our sake, you, you chose to set aside some of those rights as God to live a normal life, to give us an example to follow. God, would we take that seriously? We skip over humility so much, but it is the key. It is a key to you living through us. It's first coming to you and saying, God, we need you. We can't do this alone. So God, I pray for the student in the room that doesn't know you. God, humble them right now and show them who you are and how much they need you. But God, I pray the same for the people in the room who know you because we lose that. We lose how much we need you. So God, we love you tonight and we thank you for who you are and we're gonna sing about that right now, that you are holy, that you you are the God of heaven. So Lord, we worship you tonight in Jesus' name, amen.